Welcome to Is It Worth It, the self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Betty Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BettyGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Before we jump into today's interview, I just wanted to remind you that if you are interested in working together one-on-one through a long-term coaching package or through a single session, all the information on my offerings are linked in the show notes below. Let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Is It Worth It podcast. I am so excited to welcome you back. This is going to be another episode with a guest interview and today we are going to be talking about inner child healing and this is a concept that has honestly been a radical part of my healing journey and my transformation journey and something that I say about healing is that it is one of these ongoing things right it's always happening and so a lot of the time you can't necessarily force healing because it will just naturally come up in your day-to-day life right you will have you will naturally have experiences in life that will push you to grow and push you to learn certain things and that's a big part of healing is just being present to that right and being able to meet yourself in those moments with compassion and grace and inner child healing is just a major major part of that because oftentimes when we are acting up when we feel angry and frustrated almost feeling like we need to throw a temper tantrum as an adult, that can be a huge sign that your inner child is reaching out and needs help or is just being triggered by similar wounds that your inner child faced that you faced when you were a child that have not really been fully healed and fully worked through. And something else that I want to remind you here before we get into the episode is that for a lot of us, When we experience trauma, it's not necessarily the event itself that has lasting effects on our entire life. It's also, it's really going through that event alone. So whether you had small moments of your parents, you know, being late to pick you up or constantly forgetting you, and it wasn't like these major things that can be just as painful because you were going through it alone, because no one apologized to you, because no one really validated you in those emotions, especially as a child. And so they become these bigger and bigger wounds. And I resonated so much with that idea that I wanted to remind you that at the start of this podcast, because sometimes you tell yourself that, oh, what you went through wasn't bad enough or doesn't merit needing this inner child healing. But again, it's about going through it alone. So if you were isolated or if a lot of people didn't necessarily validate you, that is going to have lingering effects. And that's why you need to deal with it. Welcome everyone to a new podcast episode. I am here with Nandini, my my wonderful friend from uh, at Maya underscore collective on Instagram. Nandini is a coach who focuses on integrating our stories and deep healing work. She's passionate about helping her clients get to the root of what holds them back and helping them release it. When she isn't working on her business, she can be found sitting in a cafe with a good book or watching a crime show on Netflix. 
So thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that we are finally here and able to sit down because we have so many great conversations on our own. And I love talking to you about like healing methods and just what we're going through at the time. So I'm excited to let other people into our conversations, honestly. Me too. We, it always just feels like we have the best conversations and I'm so excited for like other people to be able to hear it now. Exactly. Okay, so today we wanted to talk about inner child healing because it is something that both of us have a pretty deep relationship with and have had a lot of experience with. And I think we can both speak to how much it's really helped us grow and evolve in different ways and how it's also, I think personally at least, really helpful in like finding and maintaining that inner peace. In talking about inner child healing, I know you first said that you had kind of a different relationship with it. And so I was wondering if you wanted to talk about how you found inner child healing and and how you kind of like stumbled into it. For me, finding inner child healing was through just doing my own healing in general. Because um, as I started to notice things that I needed to be uh, needed to heal and needed to work on, I would try and dig deeper each time. And I realized that most of that wounding came from, um, you know, childhood or before. But even if it came from before, it some form of it had manifested during childhood. And so a lot of it had to do with my inner child and, you know, building a sense of safety for my inner child and really leading into self-trust there. And... Yeah, so I didn't set out to do inner child healing specifically in that I, you know, I didn't sort of buy a program about inner child healing or um, read a book about inner child healing, but I did heal my inner child. And in fact, I'm still healing my inner child by just healing as a person in general, because when I get to the core of each wound, it comes from that space. And so every time I am working on an area, I go back to work with my inner child, but also to be able to create a sense of space for my inner child to actually um, express creativity and freedom and authenticity and all of those things as well. And, you know, before we get deeper into this, I just want to say that I don't think I will ever be done healing my inner child. Like, I don't think it's one of those things where you just buy um, this book or like this course or you do um, this ritual and you're done with healing your inner child. I think it's a lifelong process of working with your inner child. Yes, I completely agree. And I also love how you talked about the idea of like creativity or fun or play, because I think it's important to remember that while, yes, there can be kind of that deeper, darker side of inner child healing um, where you're, you know, crying or angry or whatever, there's also that side where you can let yourself do the things that you never really were allowed to do as a child or as a teenager, or even doing the things that you love to do as a child or a teenager and just making that part of yourself happy, right? And um, I completely agree that it's something that never goes away. And so when I think about having a whole lifetime to continue to do childhood things or to continue to be able to play and have fun, like that just makes life so much more exciting. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like, I think, 
when people hear about that side of it, it can be a little bit more enticing to get into because jumping into shadow work in a modality that you've never used before is obviously going to be complicated, right? So having time to, yeah, just enjoy yourself or watch your favorite kids show and not judge yourself for it, right? And that's such a big part of inner child healing for me as well is that lack of self-judgment. And like you said, self-trust, right? Just going with what intuitively comes up and allowing yourself the giving yourself permission basically to do those things. And I think that's really important. So before we get too far down the line of talking about all this stuff, I want to just go over like, what is inner child healing? So how would you describe it? Yeah. So for me, um, with my general healing practice, the things that allow me to get deeper is breathwork in EFT. And you know, because I practice those things so often and they are very, um, I guess like you would describe them as very bodily um, practices rather than something maybe like hypnosis or NLP that targets your mind with breathwork and EFT because it's really working with the body and the emotions. It really helps me process things. And I think that's what has made this entire um, healing journey feel less heavy and less dark because I have these tools to be able to release these things from my body so I'm not holding on to all of it all the time because it gets a lot after a while. Definitely. So when you're doing like EFT or something like that with your inner child, like do you talk to your inner child or how does that part of the process work? For me, like when I'm talking to my inner child, a lot of it is through journaling. And so I actually try and um, parent myself through my journal. And I, you know, essentially I'm just talking to myself like I am a little girl again. And I will tell myself, um, you know, you did something today that felt really difficult and I'm so proud of you. And talking to myself in that voice of like, I'm proud of you. and you know, saying it, it sort of feels like I'm directly speaking to my inner child rather than being like, I'm proud of me or something like that. And to sort of take that a step further and really feel like I'm talking to my inner child, I often write, um, I often format it like it's a letter to myself. So it'll be like, dear, um, so, that, you know, for you, everyone listening, you could start off with like, dear, and then whatever your name is, and then continue with that letter and then actually sign off at the end. So it really feels like a love note to your inner child and essentially in that letter I'm just reassuring myself so that I am creating this sense of safety and and the sense of like being held for my inner child so that the next time um, I need to lean into an uncomfortable situation and lean into the discomfort um, my inner child knows that she's going to be supported in the aftermath of it all and it's not like I'm just um, letting her go and being like, okay, that's done. Um, I know you feel like shit right now, but that's it. It's We're not doing anything. Um, and she actually feels supported so that we can continue to heal together. And after I've done that journaling process, depending on how I'm feeling, sometimes my um, healing practice looks like doing some EFT. And with that, I might either follow a script from um, the Tapping Solution app that I have or 
it's not really like a script. It's more like a tapping meditation kind of thing where um, they are essentially sort of talking you through what to say at each point. And so you just tap as you follow along with that and it's guided. Or I will do my own um, tapping practice. That's so great. I also love what you said about how a big part of it is so your inner child feels supported. And something that I was talking about in the intro of the podcast was that when you go through a trauma, it's not necessarily about what happened or what the trauma is, but it's about having to go through it alone. And so feeling those feelings of isolation and being alone or by yourself when you're an actual little kid is obviously what is damaging. And so being able to kind of go back in time, so to say, and allow that part of yourself to feel supported, to feel like even if it took you like 20 years to come back and start talking to him or her or them, now they know that someone was there for them all along. Now they still, it's almost like giving that little child closure on these times where they felt alone and lost. And that's what is so beautiful about it. And something else that I love that you said was like in the journaling and in the letters, how you're also kind of self-parenting, right? So like there's that inner child work and then there's also self-parenting and I feel like they feed into each other a lot, right? Because you have to be big enough to hold space or create create this setting, which is self-parenting, but then within that setting or within that space is when you can really do whatever it is, whether that's eat your favorite childhood snacks and watch your favorite kids show or, you know, doing some deep journaling or whatever other work. It, it kind of is like this give and take relationship. But again, that's what completes the, the cycle and causes that closure that helps a lot, I think. And something else that I wanted to mention is that when you do go through trauma, you kind of get stunted at that age. And I want to make sure like I'm like using the word trauma in like a helpful way. So people can obviously have different levels of trauma. And just because you have experienced some difficult things in your childhood doesn't mean that like, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't mean that you're, you have to think of yourself as like this now traumatized person. So I just want to kind of be aware of that. But when you do go through significant things in your life, those major events, especially when there was a lot of emotions that were unprocessed in those events, you get stunted at that age. So a lot of times when people talk about celebrities, they say, oh, people are stuck at whatever age they got famous. And so there's a lot of different examples of how that happens. But that's another important time, another important way to think about inner child healing. Because if you know that like, oh, I, even if you moved, right? Like I'm, I have a lot of trauma around moving from Kenya to America. And so it's not like this awful thing that happened in my life, but it was so much that was still unprocessed. And so that's kind of where the trauma comes from. But the, the reason I bring that up is it's, it's about looking at that age and what would have served you at that age. Right. So when I moved, I was four or five and I was really young. So the activities that I would need to do to support that inner child would be different than, you know, my preteen self at 13 going through something completely different. And so um, if you are doing inner child healing for the first time, it can be really useful to think about, you know, major events in your childhood or um, as a teenager and kind of going back to, like you said, writing that letter, maybe journaling to that 
person at that age, like right after going through what they went through, if you're ready to talk to them at that time, right? And finding those connections is going to help you create this process where you can start to heal the emotions that that child never got to heal. Absolutely. And, you know, just going back to the idea of doing different things um, to heal your inner child, depending on what age um, you feel like your inner child needs healing. Sometimes when you're new to inner child healing and healing in general, it just feels so complicated and overwhelming to the point where you're like, oh my God, like, should I even start? Because it just feels like um, it's so much. And so I just really want to say that, you know, with healing and inner child healing, it doesn't have to be complicated. Like healing could just be taking an extra long shower that day and maybe crying in the shower. Or, you know, with inner child healing, it could be taking yourself on like on a walk or to the park and just maybe sitting by the playground or something and drinking a cup of coffee to start with like there you know you're not necessarily doing something that your inner child would have done but sometimes just being in that setting and just you know observing is healing itself and so you don't have to start um with this huge like you know, it, it doesn't have to start from a really complicated space um, where you feel like you have to carve out a ton of time for it if you already feel like you are busy and you don't have enough time because that's the other thing that often puts people off healing as well is this idea of like, it's this huge time-consuming thing that I just don't have time for. And obviously, you know, if you are sort of using the I don't have time thing to not heal. That's a whole other conversation. But I'm just saying it doesn't have to be complicated. Yes, I completely agree. It, And that's such a big part of healing in general. Like you were saying, you know, I, I think a lot of the misconception around it is like, oh, you have to sit down and meditate for three hours a day and change your whole life. And yes, like your life for most people slowly will change after you are healed. Because again, you're not just repeating these unconscious patterns that you've been repeating for your whole life so naturally things will change but you don't have to sit down and decide how you're going to have a whole new life as a part of healing and that's something that I just want people to be more aware of and another way that I like to describe healing I talked about this a little bit in the intro as well but it's about meeting yourself in the present moment right so if you are you know just having uncontrollable road rage or you are just so angry when you get to work every morning like sometimes even as adults, we get so angry and so frustrated to the point where we want to throw a tantrum. And that's our inner child screaming out that we need to help them or, or they need us for something, right? So being able to understand that, okay, it's about me saying that, hey, it's, a, it's okay that you are angry, like you saying that to yourself. And something that I always do when I am talking to my inner child that just became natural was like, I would just kind of hug my elbows and almost like wrap myself up in a little hug. And I just kind of like, say or think to myself what I need to hear at that time. So, you know, I'll say something along the lines of like, 
oh my gosh, like, it's okay that you're mad. I hate being mad. It's so overwhelming, but I just, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I'll talk through the situation a little bit. And again, that kind of bridges like the inner child self of saying what you need in the moment or allowing yourself to let out your frustrations, but then also the self-parenting side that's saying, hey, it's okay if you're angry, like nothing's going to happen if you feel mad, you're allowed to feel mad or, you know, whatever you feel and just validating yourself and allowing those emotions to come out. And again, releasing that judgment and that shame. I think shame is another big reason or another big kind of aspect that caused a lot of us to have these unhealed emotions in childhood, especially because parents will be like, why are you crying? Stop that. Like you're just causing more trouble for me. So if we had parents that said those kinds of things to us or who didn't really care about figuring out why we had certain emotions or why we were upset as kids, we're going to be really used to being like, well, I need to brush off my emotions. I need to get it together. I'm shaming myself for having emotions. And so allowing yourself to rip off that judgment, which gets easier and easier, it's going to feel weird at the start when you are first saying like, it's okay to yourself. Like, even if you're thinking it, it's, it feels strange, but you'll get more and more used to it. And the fact that it feels strange is a major sign that you need to keep doing it. And that this is a reason that, you know, you found yourself here. It's because like, you find it so hard to validate yourself. And that's something that we all deserve, just as humans to be able to do you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I love what you said. And it's just about meeting yourself in those moments where you are struggling. Um, and something else I just want to add quickly is that one of the things that I recently started doing in my inner child healing journey is rage rituals. And I didn't realize how angry my inner child was. And this also connects to like my inner teenager and just like all the rebellion and all the shit that I wanted to do that I never got to do, but finding myself like listening to that old music or you know, like, like punching a pillow and um, just doing those little things, which like listening to music is super fun and makes me excited. Even like getting ready or putting on my makeup while like listening to old songs. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is like what I lived for as a teen, you know? So getting to make yourself happy, but then also like those shadow sides of every age you have are, it's kind of like the, the, two sides of inner child healing right so then that anger is coming out and out but I feel so much better and I feel more at peace in my day-to-day -day life because I was finally able to kind of purge some of those emotions I actually really like that you brought up this idea of meeting yourself where you're at because when I first started my inner child um, healing and like even healing in general it just felt like this really heavy um thing that kept me almost like reliving those things and being in the past and unable to move forward is how I put it because I just felt stuck and frozen and I think that sort of um aha moment with this came when I realized that there was actually a payoff that was keeping me stuck in that space that was um, there was actually a payoff to holding on to all of these things and it was an intentional decision in the moment to let go of it which now um, I'm able to meet myself where I'm at so for anyone you know who's listening to this and is new to healing and to inner child healing if it feels like you are unable to let it go then maybe also just think about what exactly is keeping you stuck and 
are you getting something out of being stuck there? Because, um, you know, and I will share my sort of example here. I am a breathwork facilitator and um, the place that I learned breathwork from has different levels of um, facilitator training. And so when I was doing my level three training, I realized that I um, was actually holding on to a lot of the childhood stuff because my parents had been on their own healing journey yeah in the last couple of years and so then they sort of realized some of the things that they had done you know things that they had said and how that at times created this unhealthy um, dynamic with us and so and by with us I mean like with me and with my siblings and um yeah and and so you know they because they had been on their own healing journey they were also working through um all of that and so our relationship now is a lot healthier but of course we do have our moments of conflict um and i realized that i actually really liked holding on to those things because now that my parents had been on their own healing journey and could see the impact of their actions they were taking the necessary steps to um, resolve that and to make me now feel um, validated and supported. And so they were incredibly supportive of me pursuing my own healing work. And at times that looked like um, paying for me to train in something that I otherwise might not have been able to. And so I realized that actually I really enjoyed that financial compensation. So I kept myself stuck there because I was like well this is great like I'm getting a good deal out of this why should I change it right now and it was in that moment that I realized that as much as I was getting this you know out of being in that place I was also not letting myself be able to feel the freedom of letting it go and with that shift I was actually able to create a breakthrough for myself with um inner child healing and yeah so if you know it feels like there is something that is keeping you stuck then just sit with it and you know ask yourself what payoff you're getting from being in that place that's so important and that's something that i talk about on this podcast a lot as well is like there's always something that is serving you even in a habit that's unhealthy or unhelpful or in like a toxic thought pattern. And I'm going through something kind of similar, which is that I've been so used to being like invisible and playing myself small. And that was a big way of how I was able to survive because I'm also an only child. There was no hiding it or getting around it essentially because I was the only kid to focus on, right? So all the attention was on me. And so when I wanted to avoid that or I just wanted to be under the radar, basically, I would just make myself quiet and make myself scarce. And that was how I survived or how I even thrived, basically. And I learned how to do that in other situations as well, like how to make myself, you know, small and invisible in classes so that people didn't call on me or, you know, just so I didn't have to talk to people in awkward social situations. And so now I'm realizing that Obviously, that came out of, you know, a, a traumatized child, but 
it also has really stopped me in my business because I second guess everything that I do. I'm not as visible as I want to be, even though I make videos and I post a lot of content, I feel like there's still a part of me energetically that has been hiding and I want to let it out. And it's interesting as well, because I, a lot of like resentment gets triggered around that, right? Like sometimes I'll see someone else and I'm like, God, like they're not even making content that helps people, but they're getting millions of views or, you know, and finding those bitter statements in my mind, I have to step back and think about it. Like, okay, it's not their fault for being successful. It's about me and me being afraid to make myself visible. And so by going back and allowing my inner child to kind of figure out a, how can I, keep aspects of that so that I can almost use it as my superpower, but at the same time, let go of everything that is only allowing me to stay in that realm because that's what's keeping me stuck, right? So like sometimes when I want to just run in the store in sweatpants and I don't want anyone to bother me, like I just can do that because I have this way of making myself like invisible. <laughs> but then like, I don't want that to be my default because I can see how many times it's held me back. And even thinking back to college or high school, like I would have great things to say. Sometimes I would even write them out in my notebook, but I would never say them out loud because I was too afraid of being called out or I might be wrong or I might be judged or this or that. And so seeing how much, like you were saying, like I, you were also holding yourself back from experiencing that freedom. And that's what I'm kind of realizing now is I'm holding my back myself back from being even more successful. And that's what I want. And yet there's all this stuff that's stopping me. And so that I think those are two really good examples from you and I that illustrate why inner child healing is so important because it's, it's like, it, it's almost like a limiting belief in that it's like this invisible force until you become conscious of it and then start counteracting it consciously. And then it starts peeling away. And then you're like, whoa, life looks completely different now that there isn't this thing over my head. So um, actually, that makes me want to ask you, what are some of the positive changes or things that you've noticed in terms of growth from inner child healing? I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed is this feeling of living in my body um I follow Tori Washington um she's a wealth um and like money uh mindset sort of person on Instagram and she's amazing to follow and she talks about this idea of the body leaves and the mind follows and I feel like that's what I've gotten out of healing and inner child healing this idea of safety within myself and it's really this deep um, sense of like comfort and safety that I can now find in my body it's no longer an idea that started in my mind it's something that I feel um, really deeply and I feel like because of that I am able to connect with people deeper and actually um, you know speak my truth and be authentic um, and be myself because I have done the healing that I've needed to around this idea of not being able to be myself and I think that this feeling of not feeling like you get to be who you are because some part of you was rejected and you know for me it was that I was bullied when I was younger 
um, it's a really awful feeling because you just cannot be who you are. You can't, you know, you feel like you can't share certain interests. And to be honest, I'm still working through this, but it is, it has reduced <laughs> significantly. Um, and that's what I feel like inner child healing is. It feels like coming home to myself. And I honestly cannot think of any other way to put it besides that. I love that so much. And I also love that quote in general, because I feel like people say that about love as well. Like when you find true love, it feels like coming home to yourself, whether that's falling in love with a place or a person or whatever. Um, And I think that's so beautiful to think that about inner child healing as well, because it is, it's like recognizing these parts of yourself that you've buried away for a long time. And that was something that was the most fun part of inner child healing for me was discovering, like I said, like old music or old hobbies or weird things that I used to do. And just, um, yeah, just like how I would spend my time when I was bored at home alone, like as a kid, like all of those things were distant memories that I'd locked away or parts of myself that I didn't care about because they were hobbies that I couldn't make money from. They were a huge part of who I was because I was doing them when no one was making me or when no one was watching, right? And um, that's why I loved that you brought up the, the fun and the creativity and the play side of inner child healing as well, because it's something that, like I said, it, it makes life more fun also helps you with your creativity with your problem solving with just being present in the in the moment because you have things to live for like when you do more of those things every day or even one of those things every day it starts to shift that feeling in the morning of like oh my god I've woken up and now I have to do this all over again like how many of us feel like we wake up but it's because you're going to the same job or the same school and doing the same routine every single day and there's no fun in your life right so allowing yourself to experience things that you did as a kid like one of the first things I did on my healing journey which it wasn't even like a, my part of my healing journey consciously but I started re-watching like the hills and Laguna Beach and like all these random shows that were like reality shows that were out when I was 10 years old and it was interesting because I realized how many lessons I learned from those shows or how I thought my life would be and it was kind of like these silent comparisons in my life of like oh when I'm you know 20 years old I'm gonna be living in LA with like this group of friends and we're gonna be dating and we're gonna be at these fancy jobs and like you know it's like all these ridiculous ideas that you get from reality tv but that's what I thought my life would be like when I was 10 years old and so even going back and like watching those really fun or ridiculous things I'm like whoa like I don't know it's just it's just fun and it's interesting to see like how your mind like is comparing you with that idea and you didn't even realize that you were still holding on to those ideas and stuff like that so yeah it really can be fun and exciting and just revisiting stuff that you loved as a child because all of those things were sending you messages and all of those things were um, teaching you about either how to feel or how to be and so even re-watching a lot of this stuff that you loved in your formative years can remind you like oh this is why I thought it was so important to have a, a partner or this is why I thought you know my biggest life goal was to get married and or or to do this and that and so yeah I just think that wherever you want to start, even if like your intuition is telling you to listen to your old favorite album or to go rewatch a show, like just do it because there might be little hidden nuggets in there of things that are in the back of your mind that you don't even know whether they're good or bad. And you can kind of start using that to 
to go down this journey and you don't have to relive your entire childhood or make it this oppressive thing. So if you just think about it in terms of the fun things that you get to do, then eventually maybe you'll, you'll realize like in the present moment, why you get so frustrated when it comes to only having Tinder to look for dates, but then you're like, okay, well, it's because my whole childhood, I was watching shows about how I, you know, people need to date or how dating is drama or how your friends steal your boyfriend and watching all those shows for 12 years of your life has made you really jaded in a way that you didn't realize about dating in the present moment. Right. And so all these things are so connected, but you can start on a much more lighthearted and fun side compared to the heavy shadow work, but it'll all circle back around. Yeah, I love that you brought up this idea of, you know, fun and how you're having fun because your inner child thrives on fun. And, you know, for anyone listening who is working a very, um, like, nine-to-five kind of thing, um, it often feels like you can't really have fun. And, And I think the tricky part is when you actually enjoy your job, and, you know, you enjoy, um, or maybe, you know, certain things, because I think even if you're working your dream job, sometimes there are certain things about it that you don't enjoy that are, you know, part of it, right? And, yeah, and, and you know, you can love what you're doing, and it still feels like a lot at times. And I think that's sometimes what working in a nine-to-five environment is like, because for me, like, I'm studying full-time, and... I love what I'm studying, but there are times where it feels like a lot. And when I look back to the times where things felt like a lot, I, you know, was burnt out or almost burnt out. Um, I was stressed out all the time, which I'm, you know, talking to some of my friends who have um, started working a nine to five, they relate to as well. It was the times where I wasn't having fun outside of it. Because, you know, living in a capitalistic world, we think that our job is supposed to give us everything that we need, right? Fulfillment, um, um, you know, possibly even fun. And that's where even the idea of like a dream job comes, right? But that isn't true because your job often, you know, helps to sustain you and is a part of, I guess, sustaining society. But that's not where you get fun from often, right? And so I would really ask everyone listening, how do you have fun and how can you make fun a part of your life every single day? And I understand that it's not always possible to, you know, set aside an entire hour to have fun. But can you set aside five minutes every day to have fun? You know, and... And how can you change the things that you already do every day and just make it a little bit more exciting? Because, you know, if you make yourself breakfast every morning, for example, can you play music and like dance in the kitchen while you do it? Or while you're in the shower, like if you create a shower playlist for yourself and, you know, throw in a couple of songs that you loved as a kid and then as a preteen and all of that, then you've got this... um, shower playlist that you get to listen to and dance to in the shower 
Those are the best ideas. They're so fun. And um, I love that they all have this sensory aspect to it too, because like the same thing with watching an old show, listening to old music brings back like all these memories of the last time when you listened to it or a time in your life when you absolutely loved that song. And that's why like the last few months rediscovering all this old like scene music and emo music and just like this crazy stuff that I used to listen to like has brought me so much joy and I can't get over it. And it's like almost like rediscovering like we talked about earlier a part of my identity that I had just lost and so I I love those ideas and something else you can also do is um, whether you had like a scent or a perfume that maybe you wore or someone in your house wore or if there was a food that you love to eat um, cooking that or finding a way to to get that again um, just because smell is another way of triggering a lot of those old memories um, and old responses so if you have um, the smell of a certain food or incense or perfume or something that makes you really happy that can be another way that your inner child can feel really seen and feel remembered right um and other things that you can do that are just kind of fun but little things in your day-to-day life would be like if you loved you know being artistic even using like glitter gel pen like getting some of those for you know your work or for whatever you're doing when you're writing at home or um some people will get like a fun like colorful keyboard or something for you know their at home office so even like finding little decor spaces or decorating your house or a corner of your house in a way that you would have loved as a kid um or even making like terrible art like something i love talking about is making quote unquote pointless art which is just art that is ugly that you don't plan on hanging up on your walls or you don't plan on doing anything with and if it turns out great then great but that's not the point of it because just like you said everything in our life has become around capitalism or finding a job or you know something else that will make us more money or something else that we have to be good at and so we've kind of lost our ability to have hobbies like I was saying and finding a way to make art or just do something fun whether that's something you do once every two weeks or you know however often it just gives yourself a chance to play and to do things for no reason and it almost helps with that existential dread as well like when you're feeling like oh my god life is pointless like I'm never going to be anything nothing's ever going to change or you know why are we doing this at all like we live on a floating rock like (laughs) all of those crazy existential thoughts when you are able to have fun and ground yourself and and rediscover parts of yourself and you're not just living the same life every single day that can also really help in you being like oh I am here for a reason I am doing things that I enjoy and I am giving back to myself and you know doing those things with friends as well or you know getting your friends together to play like a a sports game (laughs) play sports I don't know I'm like I don't do that (laughs) but um to play a game that you used to play when you were kids or even getting people together to play a board game or to have like a sleepover or something like we're allowed to do those things as adults we can make all of those decisions and but it does take that extra effort and that extra energy to put something like that together or to decide that you're going to do it right but once you do again it just becomes like this never-ending resource and this well that keeps giving back to you um and that's why I love it about it so much. Just like you said at the start of this, it, it's it's like finding your home within yourself. Absolutely. And I love that you talked about um, this idea of, you know, just producing like bad art when you draw and that sort of thing, because 
um, as a child, you know, given that we were kids and we were still learning, oftentimes we were not actually always the best at our childhood hobbies, right? We just did them because we enjoyed it and we didn't judge ourselves for how, um, you know, um, a piece of art looked or how we sang or how we danced. Like we didn't, we just did it because we enjoyed it. Um, and so I really just want to invite everyone who's listening right now to just sort of sit with the idea of doing something even though you know you're going to be terrible at it, but just doing it anyway because you enjoy it. I love that suggestion. And I think another great way, if you are feeling immediately embarrassed or just like shocked almost at the idea of having to do that, allowing yourself to do them at home or do them on your own, right? Or um, yeah, like even if it even if you have this idea of like, okay, well, I would love to make pottery again, or I would love to like go dancing and it's intimidating to go dancing at like a club or an actual place. Um, but you can start by dancing in your shower, like you said, with that playlist of songs you loved as a kid and allowing yourself to take baby steps with it. Again, it's about not forcing yourself, right? So if it, it doesn't, it's, again, meeting yourself in the present moment, if you're like, I'm scared, I'm not ready to go do this, then be that parent, be that self-parenting person that can say, okay, I'm not going to force you to do anything you're uncomfortable with. What's a way that would make you feel more comfortable doing that, right? And if it's dancing alone in the shower, then like have at it, allow yourself to enjoy that and allow yourself to take the babyest of steps, because that's also something that a lot of us, it was kind of overlooked for us as a as children to like, we were expected to just do things all of a sudden. Like if your parent wanted you to do something or if you were had to move or other bigger decisions like that, you had to just get on board, right? You didn't have that much power in terms of what you could do or couldn't do. And so now if you were used to kind of being whiplashed all over the place um, as a child, now you have that luxury of saying, I'm not gonna push you or force you into anything that you're not comfortable with. So taking those little steps and no step is too small and having that mentality and also applying that growth mindset towards this whole process will allow you to feel safe because again, your emotions will only bring up what you what is safe for you to bring up. Your body isn't going to go out of its way to re-traumatize you by bringing up memories or experiences that you're not ready for, or even realizations that you're not ready for. And that's why healing is eternal because you can all, you're, you'll always be ready for new realizations or for other things in the past to start clicking. And so again, if you're overwhelmed or a little bit scared at all the emotions that are gonna come up, don't force yourself to go from zero to a hundred and just allow yourself, you could even like bullet point or write down like seven little things that you would feel comfortable doing and then pull them out of a jar or something like that, just to get used to this idea of inner child healing. Were there any other things that you wanted to say about what has come out of inner child healing or any other small ways that people can start getting used to the idea of doing it themselves? Yeah, I guess I just you know, wanted to say, like, if you are looking at doing the things that you enjoyed as a child, and, you know, because many people often had their privacy invaded as a child, um, you know, your journals read, for example, or someone discovering maybe a drawing that you did, and then potentially laughing at it, 
this idea of going back to these things can be terrifying. And so I want to acknowledge that. And I want to say that if you are in a position where you feel like um, your privacy might be violated again, because maybe you um, live at home or you are living with housemates or, you know, for whatever reason, um, no, the, like just putting it in a safe space might often feel like it isn't enough. So if you feel like you need to paint something or you need to draw something and you need to rip it up and throw it away, or you need to burn it or whatever, then go ahead and do that. Like, because that is going to allow you to express these things, but then also feel safe after because you know that no one is going to discover it. And so, you know, there really is no one size fits all here. And so if that's, what is going to help you create a sense of safety for yourself to be able to express this, then do that. Because this fear of letting people see us in this vulnerable thing is very real, especially when we're looking at inner child healing, because, you know, many people have this around, you know, having had something that they did as a child be discovered and then um, made fun of or just feeling like they didn't have their own privacy in their own space as a child and it's very real so just do whatever you need to feel safe in exploring this I mean I completely understand that because I still sometimes censor myself in a journal or have a, have a hard time saying what I really want to say in a journal because my diaries were always read growing up so it, it's a real fear and I think that's why, again, going back to those two steps of inner child healing, where the first step is creating that safe space and leaning into the self-parenting side first, and then second comes allowing your inner child to really be free, right? So if you can also decide, like, where is your safe space? If you do live with roommates or housemates, maybe in the shower is really the only space you have or in the bathroom, right? So um, what it those little things that you can do to start making your shower feel more comfortable or even having a certain like ritual around, okay, this is going to be an inner child healing type of shower, right? So whether that is just throwing on the playlist or whether you get some colorful LED lights and you turn those on so the whole shower is blue or purple or something, or whether you want to have a bath and have really fun bath bombs because that's what makes your inner child happy. Like those things that that's part of creating the setting and creating the safe space so one of the first things you could do is finding a space in your house that makes you feel safe or finding you know whether it's online or like your personal laptop or whether it's a physical journal those things also are good to identify so that you know that when you're ready to do the work you know where to go and you know what to do and it takes some of the guesswork out of it um so I think that's a really important Thing is to remember okay safety first how do I make myself feel comfortable and feel seen and feel valued and part of that could also be again like going back to childhood snacks or whatever those little kind of exciting triggers are for you that can help you signify to your to yourself to your inner child that it's safe to come out and the second part of it is of course then allowing your inner child to get used to actually coming out so allowing them to start being messy and making the art and not caring if they make you know a mess or make something ugly or um, allowing them to throw a tantrum and actually like stomping your feet if you have if you have the space for it or the room for it um, and all those little things sorry all those little things are such an important part of 
feeling like you're getting that closure, that full circle aspect of it. Because if you go into writing a letter to your inner child, like you said, if you don't feel safe, then there is that chance of re-traumatizing yourself or taking yourself all the way to an event that you weren't ready for. So going in really, really slowly and um, yeah, allowing yourself to to feel heard. And the last thing I want to say is if you really live in a house or in a space where it's tight quarters, there's no room even in the shower to be weird or to do your thing or to play music, then again, just meeting yourself in those moments, right? So thinking to yourself when you are getting really, really angry, like, okay, what do I need right now? It's okay that I'm angry. Is there anything I can do to help? And just allowing yourself to think those things in the moment that's silent, but yet it's still extremely powerful because you're meeting yourself in the present moment and you're asking yourself what you need. That pretty much concludes our episode on inner child healing. So I hope that that gave you some good steps about where you can start first and what you can start doing to connect with your inner child, to start that relationship and to really make them feel happy and feel seen. So Um, Thank you so much, Nambini, for joining me and for sharing your experience and being so vulnerable with our audience. I'm sure they are just going to love and appreciate this episode so much because I did and I got so much out of it. So thank you for sitting down and having this conversation with me. No, thank you so much um, for having me. And honestly, like sometimes just having a conversation with you just feels like healing. And so I'm so grateful that we got to sit and do it today and that you know, we have other people listening to it who hopefully get as much out of it as we do. Thank you. That was so sweet <laughs> that you said that. Um, if you want to follow Nandini, she's on Instagram at Maya underscore collective. I will have all of her information down in the show notes below. Are you also offering your breathwork sessions to the public? Yes. So I do um, weekly breathwork sessions online. Um, they are Sunday morning Australian time, which in fewer in the US, I believe is your Saturday afternoon or evening. Um, I also offer 90 minute single coaching sessions and um, I'm holding an online retreat on July 18th, again, Australian time. So <laughs> you will need to figure out the time difference, but I've got all the links um, on my uh, Instagram with the <laughs> with a way for you to figure out what time it is in your time um yeah and I will be opening up um a three-month coaching container soon so yeah I'm really excited about that that is so exciting that you have so much coming up especially the three-month coaching container I'm so excited to hear more about that in the future um so all of the links to follow Nandini and to find out more about all of her offerings and to sign up for things will be in the show notes below so feel free to check them out or send her a message if you found her through this episode thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the is it worth it podcast if you learned something and enjoyed the episode make sure that you submit a review on the Apple Podcasts app. And if you submit a review or you have submitted a review already, email me at bettygrewup at gmail.com with a screenshot of your review so I can offer you 10% off of any of my single session services. Thank you again for being part of the family, for joining me on another episode. I appreciate you so, so very much and happy healing.